You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, East Point Church. How are you guys? You guys doing well today? It is good to be with you guys. Always get to gather with our church family. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and open up your Bibles. Open up your Bibles to the Proverbs. We're going to the Old Testament this morning. Proverbs are right after the Psalms. So if you open up your Bible right in the middle, you'll probably hit the Psalms. Flip a few pages to the right, and there are the Proverbs. Good to be with you guys. Every time we meet together, every time we gather as a church, there's just a fresh awareness that it's not just a bunch of people meeting in a room. Do you know that? It's not just a bunch of people attending an event and gathering in a current. No, this is, this is something spiritual. God himself, by his spirit, dwells among his people. The Bible says that people are like bricks. And what's contained in these bricks when they come together in the spiritual house? His spirit. Do you believe that this morning? Do you have a fresh awareness that what we're doing here is nothing less than communing with God and his church? Does anyone else believe that? I believe that, and if you don't, what we're about to do is not going to make a lot of sense, all right? Where else do people gather in a room to hear from the Bible? So I'm excited. Uh, You have the Proverbs open. I want to share with you a story. I want to share with you a story about a little girl who every night of her life, of her young six-year-old life, every night she would have the same bedtime routine. Mom and dad would come in together, and they would tuck her in, read a story, sing a song, and say her prayers. Tuck her in, read a story, sing a song, and say their prayers. How many of you are in that routine right now? You're in that season of life, right? Tuck them in, sing the song. You didn't read the story first. Come on, we know our children are creatures of habits. You tuck them in, read the story, sing the song, and say their prayers. And so one night, this daughter, she switched up the routine. Mom and dad tucked her in, read the story, sang a song, and when they went to go pray for the little girl, the little girl said, Mommy, Daddy, wait. Can I pray tonight? Ah, here we go, right? Mom and Dad, look at each other. Moment of insight. Here we go. Something is happening in our child's heart. And so they say, of course, daughter, you can pray. And so she bows her head, clasps her hands, kneels down at her bedside, and she says, Dear God, make the bad people good and the good people nice. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen, right? Amen. Dear God, make the bad people good and the good people nice. Amen. You see, what this little girl understood, or maybe she didn't, but what her prayer reveals is that you can be good and still not be nice. Right, somebody? She said, dear God, make the bad people good and the good people nice. You cannot be bad and still not be nice. You can be good and still be handling your relationships in a way that just rub people the wrong way. Friends, you can be here this morning and you can keep all of the commandments, but you could still be handling your finances in a way that just doesn't work well. You may not be breaking any of God's decrees right now, but the way that you speak to your spouse is putting an unnecessary strain on your marriage. You can observe all of God's statutes and still not be nice, still not be thoughtful, 
considerate, prudent, helpful, enjoyable, or industrious. In other words, friends, let me say it this way. You can be good and not be wise. Right? You can be good and not be wise. You see, wisdom is required in the numerous situations that we find ourselves in in life. Let me share with you a few. You discover that a close friend has been spreading false rumors about you, causing damage to your reputation. You have evidence to confront them and clear your name, but you also believe in forgiveness and not being easily offended. So should you confront your friend or choose to forgive and let it go? Wisdom. You work for a company that engages in unethical practices, such as exploiting workers or harming the environment. You need the income to support your family, but you also feel a moral obligation to stand against these actions. Should you continue working and try to influence positive change from within or quit and seek alternative employment? You find a lost wallet on the street and it contains a fat wad of cash. There's no immediate way to identify the owner. Keeping the money would greatly benefit you, duh. But returning it could make a difference in someone else's life. What should you do? You witness a situation on the street where an innocent person is being physically assaulted. Intervening could put your own life at risk. Should you step in and help, potentially endangering yourself? Or do you prioritize your own safety and seek assistance from the authorities? You're in a committed relationship, but you have developed strong feelings for someone else. While you haven't acted on these feelings, they are causing internal turmoil. Should you remain faithful and work on strengthening your current relationship or end it formally and explore the potential of a new one? Friends, welcome to life. Welcome to life. There are situations that require more than a knowledge of right and wrong. There are situations that you will encounter every day of your life that require insight, that require understanding. You need to have an ability to determine a course that will work. And so these situations, they require wisdom. Say it with me. Wisdom. Yes. This is why in the Old Testament, God gives us three sections there are three sections of scripture. And if you ever find yourself on the Bible edition of Jeopardy, you'll be glad for this lesson. But there are three sections of the Old Testament, okay? Section number one is called the law. Let's say it together. The law, right? We need to know what is right and wrong. What is good and evil? How do we obey our creator? How do we do what God has called us to do as human beings? And so we have the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The law tells us what's right. The second section of the Old Testament is called the prophets. And you see, the prophets are there. God has given us the prophets as a prophetic voice to call us back to the law, to call us back to being faithful to the covenant. God knows that we are a fickle people. God knows that no amount of rules externally are going to change our heart. And so the prophets are there graciously and gracefully calling us back to God. But then there's a third section, and this is where we're going to be for this summer. After the law, after the prophets, we have the writings, okay? The writings. And in the writings, it's as if God the Father invites his kids over for a cup of coffee 
And in the writings, he invites you to come over for a good visit, right? He says, let me pour you a cup, and then you find that seat. How many of you love that seat on the corner, the corner seat of the couch? You know what I'm talking about? You just get all cozy in there, and you got like two sides, and you get a blanket. And he invites us as his children to come over for a cup of coffee. And he says, let's talk about real life. Let's talk about real situations. Let's talk about the numerous situations that you find yourself in where you need insight and understanding. And in the writings, that's where we find the Proverbs. And that's where we're going to be this summer. You see, in the wisdom literature, the father, he offers us divine insight. And he says to us, the way a father would to his son on the couch, he goes, hey, there are ways that work well in this life, and there are just ways that don't. How many of you have been around the block long enough to discover the hard way, some of the ways that don't work? Mm -hmm. That's called hard-earned wisdom. (laughs) But the father in the writings, he sits us on the couch and he goes, let's talk. Let's talk about the complex situations. Let's talk about all the dealings that you're facing. And he goes, I'm just going to tell you, there are ways that work, son, and there are ways that don't, daughter. That's not sin. That's not wrong. But I'm just going to tell you, that's not a good idea. You're not breaking a commandment there, but I'm just telling you, in my world, according to the way that things work, that's not going to do it for you. So he invites us over to be mentored. He's advising us. He's offering us some tutelage so that we can live life in his world well. See, in the Proverbs this morning, friends, and for this summer, he invites us over to offer us wisdom and to show us the ways that work well the ways that work, and the ways that don't. The ways that will go well for us, and the ways that just honestly don't go well for you. So would anybody like to grab a cup of coffee, nestle up on the corner seat of the couch, and have God, the creator of the universe, advise you this morning? How many of you this morning need wisdom? Okay, that's good. And I got good news for you coming up shortly. How many of you say, my my marriage needs wisdom? My parenting needs wisdom. My finances need wisdom. You're going to pull something here. No need to raise your hand anymore, okay? We get it. Keep the paddles up, okay? Do I hear another wisdom? Wisdom sold. We need wisdom in our marriage, in our finances, at work with our children, our career decision. I dare to say, you're going to leave here, and within the next 60 minutes, you're going to go, oof, what's the wise thing to do? Friends, if you need wisdom this morning, good news. We have the law, we have the prophets, and thank you, God, we have the writings. Spiritual wisdom. Are you guys ready for this? I said, are you ready for this? Here we go. Proverbs, I'm going to read chapter 1, the first seven verses, and then we'll go back through and break them down one by one. So here we go. Proverbs chapter 1, the beginning. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is God's word for us this morning. 
Let's look at verse 1 again. Let's look at the first few verses and see what it says. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. In the introduction to this whole book, we realize that we are presented with Proverbs as an offer of wisdom. We are presented with Proverbs as an offer of wisdom. And so we begin here and we see that these are from Solomon, son of David, King Solomon. Solomon received a blank check. How many of you would like a blank check from the Lord right now? He said, ask for whatever you wish and I'll give it to you. Make a prayer, whatever you want, and I will grant this prayer request to you. And though I can think of a million things I could think of right now, you know what Solomon asked for? Give me wisdom so that I could know how to lead your people. And God granted his prayer. We read in the Old Testament that Solomon became one of the wisest men on earth. People from all over the ancient world would travel to hear what Solomon had to say because in this world, they valued wisdom. Wisdom was like a thing. Like it was a tradition where kings would assemble like councils and little squads of wise men and their wise men would travel, kind of like your premier soccer league teenager. They would travel to other kingdoms and they would test their wisdom against the other king's wise men. Like a wisdom off, you know? And they would have riddles and case studies, and they, would always, and they would take back wisdom from the place that they visited. And so we actually see this in the Old Testament, right? The queen of Sheba, she didn't send wise men to go listen to Solomon. She goes, I have to hear this for myself. And so look what it says. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. This is what they did. Case studies, riddles. Verse 6, and she said to the king, the report was true that I had heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. Solomon is the wisest man alive. And we see here that we now have been offered the Proverbs of Solomon. We have here a collection of his wise sayings, a collection of his solutions to life's puzzles. Friends, these Proverbs, these are jewels, hard-earned jewels of wisdom and insight. And we're going to see in the book that there are three contributors. We get some Proverbs of Solomon, some Proverbs of a dude named Agur. I don't know how to pronounce it, but neither do you, so say I'm wrong. And the third one is Lemuel, okay? Three people contributing, and we have here this collection of Proverbs. We're offered, we're presented with Proverbs, we're invited to partake in these wise words. We're invited to partake in these Proverbs for a reason. You see, Solomon recorded these. His, his editors collected these. This book was assembled for a purpose, and they're presented to you for a purpose. And as we look at the text, you'll see that there are actually four purpose statements that come together. So look what he says. I'm offering you these Proverbs. Why? To know wisdom. I'm offering you these Proverbs to make you wise. 
Here's my working definition of wisdom. Here's the definition that we're going to use throughout this series, okay? Wisdom is the insight that allows me to identify and skillfully choose the ways that work well in life. There are approaches to life that work well, and there are approaches that just don't. And the ability to tell the difference between the two, the ability to navigate life skillfully and choose appropriately, this is wisdom. And so the more complex the situation is, the greater the wisdom is required, right? The more confusing, the the more complex and nuanced my scenario is, the greater the wisdom required. And so we are offered these proverbs, you, friend, are offered these problems so that you, or these proverbs, so that you can be skilled at living life well. So you can have insight. So you can approach life's complex situations with understanding so that you can know wisdom. But here's what's encouraging, okay? This is what Solomon makes clear. Wisdom is not an intuition that some people have and some people don't. Wisdom is not an intuition that some people are born with and others, good luck, right? No, no, he says wisdom. He uses it synonymously with instruction, which means wisdom can be taught. (laughs) Wisdom can be passed down. Wisdom comes in the form of instruction, which is why he's here. He's here. It's like as if he's saying, hey, I want to give you something here so that by the time we're done, it will be clear to all that you have been educated, that you have been instructed, that you have been schooled in the ways that work and the ways that don't. That's what these Proverbs are for. It will become clear that you have been instructed in the school of life. Look at the second purpose statement. He says, to know wisdom and to understand words of insight. He says, I'm giving you these Proverbs So that way the next time you receive wisdom, so that the next time somebody offers you words of insight, they don't go over your head. Have you ever received wisdom and you said, I don't get it. (laughs) That makes little sense to me. How how could you possibly think that? But you trust them and, and you know their life experience and they've been around the block a few times and yet it just, it goes over your head. And so what he's saying here is what good is wisdom if it's gonna go over your head every time? What good are words of insight and words of the wise if if you don't understand them? And so here are some Proverbs. They will help you understand. It will limit the amount of times that wisdom goes over your head. Look what else he says. I'm giving you these Proverbs. Why? To receive instruction in wise dealing. Wisdom is not abstract. We tend to think of wisdom as some mystical, ethereal, living in the world of the clouds and the hypotheticals, and you have to climb a mountain like Liam Neeson did in Batman, right? Climb a mountain, get a blue flower, and meditate and empty your mind, and then you will find wisdom because it lives up there in the clouds. Nope, nope, nope. Wisdom does not live in an ivory tower. You know where wisdom lives? Where the rubber meets the road. You know where wisdom is right now? It's sitting in your office sitting in your office, waiting for you to show up on Monday morning, ready to help you tackle that sticky situation with your coworker. That's where wisdom is. You know where wisdom is? You're going to find wisdom tomorrow morning as you open your eyes and wake up. It's going to be sitting in your armchair right by your bed, sipping a cup of coffee, ready to help you figure out that situation with your spouse. 
You know where wisdom is? Wisdom is standing right next to you as your child has their 10th tantrum, and you're going, what am I going to do? Not 10th tantrum of the day, 10th tantrum of the hour. That's real life. And wisdom is right there where the rubber meets the road. You know where wisdom is right now? I, I just checked. Wisdom is standing in a field in Y Mills, ready to help a farmer figure out how to strategically approach the harvest. That's where wisdom is. See, wisdom is among us, ready to transform our daily practical dealings into wise dealings. Wisdom is here, standing by, concerned with how we can conduct our lives in a way that produces righteousness and justice and equity. In other words, wisdom is standing by, ready to teach us how do we live a life that is successful in God's eyes? How do we live a life that when other people come in contact with us, they can't help but just go, that, that, can't argue, that works. That is a refreshing approach to life. Wisdom says, I'll show you. Look at the final purpose statement. To give prudence to the simple. That's offensive, Solomon. How dare you call me simple? That would be a diss today, wouldn't it? If I said, hey, my simple friend. Would that not be like condescending and derogatory? Good thing the Bible wasn't written in English. Here's what Solomon is doing. He's not dissing you. He doesn't mean to offend. It's quite the opposite. He means to help. Because what Solomon wants us to remember is that there are people in life who are inexperienced, naive, unacquainted with these ways that work. It just is what it is. There are people, and they often tend to be youth, who just don't have a lot of experience with these ways. They have the least life experience. I was on the phone a couple weeks ago with one of my mentors, and he said to me, he goes, Sam, young men have little experience and lots of answers. Old men have lots of experience and very few answers. Isn't that true? You see, the more... The more that you've been around the block, the older you are, the more you know that this is true, that life is way more complicated and way more nuanced than you once thought it was. You've been around the block, and you know that you have way more questions than you did answers. You have wisdom. And so he offers these proverbs to those of us who are inexperienced, to those of us who just don't know the ways, to those of us who perhaps have lived in the consequences of walking in the ways that just don't work. And he says, hey, hey, come to me, and I will make the simple prudent. Here are some proverbs by which you can trade in your naivete and your inexperience for knowledge, discretion, and insight. Friends, we have an offer on the table this morning. East Point Church, we have been presented with something here. We're presented with Proverbs as an offer of wisdom. So who wants to be wise? Who wants to have their practical, everyday dealings be transformed into wise dealings? Who wants to live a life that is blossoming with righteousness, equity, and justice? Who needs wisdom this morning, church? So here's what we should do. Look at the next verse. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. We're told here, after being offered wisdom, after being presented with parables, we are told to hear. 
We're told to increase in learning. And as he says this, we realize that wisdom will not pass through our brains through osmosis. That wisdom will not become a part of us as we empty our minds and do hot yoga. I know you do hot yoga. This is a safe place. It's okay. It's okay. You can do hot yoga, but it won't make you wise. Wisdom will not come passively through our brains. He says, no, no, no. If you want to be wise, then you have to listen. If you want to be wise you, to receive this offer, you have to pull up a chair. You got to take out a pen and a notebook. You got to lean in. He says, if you want to be wise, then incline your ear toward wisdom. Incline your ear toward wisdom. He says, hear this. Pay attention. I am offering you something that will transform your existence. Don't miss this opportunity to obtain guidance. Class is in session. And so incline your ear toward wisdom. Incline your ear toward wisdom. Did you notice who he's talking to? Did you notice who he, who he calls to pay attention? Look what it says. Let the wise hear. He's talking and, and offering wisdom to the one who understands. Now, if I was a teacher, don't you think that the wise would be dismissed and excused from a wisdom session? Right? Think about it. Like, wouldn't it make sense? If I'm offering understanding, wouldn't I say, okay, all of you who already have understanding, you're excused because I'm going to talk to everybody else. That, that's what we would do, right? And yet here, he is offering wisdom to those who already understand. He is presenting parables to those who are already called wise. Why is that? Here's the reason, friends. Wisdom will only be received by those who know the value of wisdom. Wisdom will only be received by those who know the value of wisdom. You have to be wise enough to recognize the value of wisdom to receive it. I'll say it again. You have to be wise enough to value wisdom, to receive wisdom. Do you get it? Have you ever heard the quote, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Maybe you've heard it wrapped by your favorite rapper. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. In other words, you have to have some money to make some money. Well, if Solomon was rapping here, he would say the wise get wiser and the foolish get foolisher. You've got to have some wisdom to get some wisdom. It's those who are wise enough to recognize the tremendous value of wisdom who perk up and listen to wisdom. It's those who already have enough of an understanding to recognize the value of wisdom who increase in learning and end up wiser. Those who are wise get wiser because they know. Proverbs 3.13, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit is better than gold. She's more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Wise people know nothing is more valuable than wisdom. Wise people know, Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. When God said to Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? He knew that the greatest amount of gold and silver, no matter how many zeros he would have written on that blank check, 
still wouldn't have come close to comparing to what he got. This is the value of wisdom. Friends, are you wise enough in this room to recognize the value of wisdom? Is anyone insightful enough to recognize that the most treasured possession you can have in a complex world is insight and understanding? Are you willing to admit that you have more gaps in your knowledge than you do answers? Are you willing to admit that you have more to learn than you do to teach? Do you want to be wise? Then hear these Proverbs. Listen up. Lean in. Pay attention. Increase in learning. Incline your ear toward wisdom so that you will have the ability to understand the words of the wise. Listen up, friends. Lean in here so that you can know the ways that work well in this life. Be hungry, church. May we be hungry for wisdom. You know when you go into a food line? My mom taught me growing up, she's like, eat before you go to the party. And I'm like, why are we eating before we go to the party? There's food at the party. Therefore, I want to go hungry. She goes, no, 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 no. You don't show up to the party hungry because then you'll act like we never feed you. Have you ever heard that, right? I'm like, Mom, I don't want to eat this. I want to go eat at the party. She's like, I know, but we got to at least let people think I feed you. And so you got to go like slightly less than starving, right? I'm I'm, like, I'm hungry, but I'm like an appropriate level of hunger. Come on, I'm not the only one that was raised good, am I? Come on now. Better eat before you go to that party. And so you show up to the party and you conduct yourself in line in a way that says, sure, I'm hungry, but I'm not starving. And you're just polite. And you stand behind the line and you take your time. When it comes to wisdom, don't eat. When it comes to wisdom, show up to the table starving, hungry. Be ready to elbow people out of the way. Be, be ready to make yourself a fool and go, I don't care if this looks like I'm hungry because I am hungry for wisdom. Are you hungry for wisdom? Does your marriage need wisdom? Does your parenting need wisdom? Do your endeavors and dealings need wisdom? If so, hello, or presented with parables and proverbs as an offer of wisdom. Be hungry. Incline your ear toward wisdom. And so which direction is wisdom coming from? In which direction should I incline my ear toward wisdom? Who gets to definitively tell me the ways that work and the ways that don't? Who gets to tell me that? Is it my parents? Is it your spouse? Does your boss? Is it a friend? Who in our life gets to definitively say, this way works and this way doesn't? To who should we incline our ear? And that's the last verse of our passage. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. One more time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We're lined up here with our plates out. We're like, feed me, Solomon. I'm ready for some wisdom. Give me a heaping pile of wisdom. He says, wait, 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 before you do, learning wise ways begins with acknowledging God's rule. I'm glad you want to be wise. I'm I'm so glad you got in line. But wait, wait, before we get going, before we unpack these Proverbs, before I get into these wise words and sayings, you need to know this. Learning wise ways begins with acknowledging God's rule. 
the acquisition of wisdom, this knowledge of wise ways has a starting point. And so it's like you're waiting in line, but before you get to the front, somebody's coming down the line going, hey, do you have the prerequisite? Before you receive wisdom, you got to have the prerequisite. Did you, did you not receive that? There's a foundation. There's a starting point. A foundational lesson on which all other wise words and proverbs are based. And he says this, if you want to be wise, it begins with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. How many of you grew up in church? I'm just curious. You grew up in church, nice and high, Sunday school, kids church, all those things, okay? You're like, I was born in a pew. I'm like, it sounds gross, but I get it. Growing up in church, the first time, you know, that, that I hear and remember hearing the fear of the Lord, it kind of throws you for a curveball, doesn't it? You're like, fear of the Lord? I, isn't God kind? Isn't he, like, loving? And isn't he for me? And, and the Bible says to fear the Lord? Let's unpack that for a moment, okay? When the Bible says fear the Lord, it's not saying that you should fear him in the same way that you fear an abusive person, right? Have you ever known someone who's so unpredictable that you're just like, you can't help but walk on eggshells around them because you're like, you're not centered. You're not safe. You know, just, there's so much turbulence here that I don't know if I'm coming or going. And so you walk on eggshells because you fear them. To fear the Lord is not to walk on eggshells. It's not to be insecure or uncertain about his intentions. No, to fear the Lord means this. It's to take God seriously. It means I walk in awe before him. I'm not walking on eggshells around him because I'm scared that he's having a bad day. No, I walk in awe before him because it is not lost on me who I'm dealing with here. This is not a flippant familiarity. Like, imagine if the president of the United States walked in and were like, hey, what's up, Joe? Anyway, moving on. It's like, no, like, you recognize the office, right? Everybody in the military, when the president walks in, they stand up and they snap to attention. Go, do we know who we're dealing with here? This is the most powerful man in the world. When God walks into the room, when God enters the conversation, when God walks into your life, do we respond with a, what's up, Big G? Anyway, where were we? Or is there a snap to attention in awe? This is God. This is the creator of the universe. Yes, he's, he's for me, and yes, he loves me, but, but may this never become flippant or familiar or casual. May we always maintain that element of awe and reverence. Deep reverence, not flippant familiarity. Our attitude is marked. We live in a way that says, I'm dealing not just with another person here, I'm dealing with the Lord capital L-O-R-D. This is Yahweh. This is the one who made the world. This is the one who made me. This is the one who initiated relationship with me, and it is not lost on me that I'm dealing and I'm in relationship with Yahweh. So the starting point for living well, the beginning of these ways that work well, is taking God seriously. The rest of your insight is built from there. The rest of your understanding comes from there. Wisdom is an understanding that overflows from a relationship with the creator of the world. Let me say it this way. You have no chance of navigating life in this world well if you're disregarding the creator of the world. You have no chance 
of navigating life in this world well and wisely if you are ignoring and rejecting and disregarding the one who made it and his design and his patterns and his principles that he's embedded in life. He says the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Once you're in that place, once you're there, you can begin to understand everything else. Friends, we can't hear this and help but just ask ourselves, do we fear the Lord? And we can be very honest here. This is not a condemning place. This is not a be better, moralistic place. No, we read the Bible and we ask ourselves questions. That's a good point. Do I fear the Lord? Does God have my heart or my mindless routines? Has God captured my imagination and my affections? Or does he have my begrudging obedience? Check the box. Do we treat the Lord with a casual flippancy? Or is our entire life permeated by the reality that the most powerful being in the universe has initiated a relationship with me? Oh, and he calls me beloved child. <laughs> Lord, would you cure us of our flippant familiarity? Amen? Would you cure us of our hearts that take you for granted? May we fear the Lord. May we be wise. It's the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And then he gives us an opposite. He goes, but in contrast, but in other news, right, on the other side of the, there is an opposite of wise. And we are introduced to a character here who we're going to bump heads with several times in our series, and he is called the fool. You see, a fool is not a person who has a low IQ. In our day and age, we use foolish to talk about your intellect. No, no, no. A fool, biblically speaking, is not a person with a low intellect. It's a person who doesn't know the ways that work. Why? Because they're rejecting wisdom. A fool, it's actually more about their actions than it is their intellect. A fool is a person who lives as if God doesn't exist. They live as if God is not real. And so they're trying to figure out their ways because they're ignoring his ways. And the Bible says that is a fool. And you're like, Sam, but, but you just said a minute ago that, that wisdom can be taught. You, you just said a minute ago that wisdom can be, come in the form of instruction. So can't they get some of that? They could if they weren't allergic to wisdom. You try to give a fool wisdom and they break out in hives. They're allergic to it. When offered instruction, they, they gag. They can't stand it. They reject wisdom because they prefer to figure it out on their own. And so he presents, there's a wise person and there's a foolish person. There's the wise woman and the foolish woman. And he presents both of these in this book. And we see them often. Why? Because he says, I'm talking to you as if you're a wise person. I'm presenting with these proverbs under the assumption that you don't despise wisdom. I'm giving you something here, church, he says, because I'm assuming that you are hungry, that you do acknowledge the value of wisdom. And so to those who hunger for wisdom, to those who want with all their heart insight and understanding, to know the difference between the ways that work and the ways that don't, he says to you here, here's lesson number one. To find wisdom, follow God. To find wisdom, follow God. And so, up to this point in the sermon, who in the world would disagree with what I'm saying, right? Except those who, like, just really lack self-awareness. Like, who in the world 
would say, no thanks to wisdom out loud, right? Most people in the world, if they're, if they're being offered wisdom, if they're being presented with parables, they go, that sounds nice. I want to be richer. That sounds good. I want to be better. That sounds good. I want to be gooder at doing life. And most people would get in line. Most people would line up for this offer. And so as the queue is working, as the line is moving forward, we're hit with this gospel bomb. So wait, wait, real quick. The beginning of wisdom is recognizing God. If you really want wisdom, if you're really about to engage in this process of finding wisdom, then let me just pause you real quick so we're on the same page. To find wisdom, follow God. To find wisdom, follow God. And so Solomon is here at the head of the line, and he's presenting Proverbs, and he's offering wisdom. But here's what I want you to know, church. Someone greater than Solomon has stepped into the line. Someone even more wise than Solomon, son of David, has showed up on the scene and he takes the ladle from whatever Solomon is serving. An even better son of David is here. He says, you want to be wise? I'm not just a wise man. In me are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge of God. My name is Jesus. Jesus Christ, the greater Solomon. Jesus Christ, who is not just a wise man, he is the wisdom of God incarnate. And he comes, and where Solomon was presenting Proverbs, where Solomon was offering wisdom, Jesus comes and he says, I offer you myself. Do you want to be wise? Speaks to you who are in line. You really want to be wise? then I'll give you something more than a wise saying. I'll give you something more than a proverb. I give you my life as your example and the wisdom of God. Follow me. Gives you more than a saying, more than a fortune cookie. He invites you into relationship with himself as disciple and discipler. He invites you into a mentoring relationship. He says, I will make you wise. Follow me. Walk with me and I will teach you. Walk with me and I will show you how to navigate the ways that work and the ways that don't. You see, Solomon, he stood at the head of the line. He goes, to find wisdom, follow God. And God puts on flesh. And he says, yeah, what he said. To find wisdom, follow me. And he said, Daniel read it earlier, Matthew 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Do you want to find wisdom, friend? Follow God. Do you want to find wisdom? Follow Jesus, and he will make you wise. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the words of life that are contained here. Lord, you are offering to make us wise. You are offering to give us instruction so that we would know how to live life in this world that you have created. So, Father, would you make us wise? To find wisdom, we will follow you. To find wisdom, we will follow your son, Jesus. Mentor us. Advise us. Instruct us. Give us insight and understanding, Father. May we who are simple be made wise. And so we take you up on your offer, God. We pull up a chair. We nestle into the corner seat of the couch. And we ask you in faith, instruct us. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name, who is the perfect wisdom from heaven. And all the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeason.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.